You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. Stop me if this sounds familiar. Hitman is about to retire. Let's let's call this one Duncan. But old Duncan has a hit put out on him. You see, Duncan's employer is double-crossing him so as to save some money and send some of his other hit people to take Duncan out. Now, presumably these other hit people don't have the intellect to question what that'll mean for them should their employer ever choose to double-cross them. However, I mean, it takes but one look at this team to understand why it really isn't much of a concern to the employer. Now, Duncan, he's one of, if not the best, at what he does, because of course he is. He's also depressed as fuck, presumably because he won't be able to be wantonly killing people, but hold on to your hats. There may be a twist as to why he's so melodramatic throughout the entirety of the film. Now, Duncan, he's able to get the upper hand on any hit person sent after him, even when they outnumber him by a ridiculous amount thanks to a MacGuffin that's used once and forgotten. Hell, even when he's fuck-fucking-naked. Now, have I mentioned there's also a woman he appears to be falling for? Now, that won't be a problem for them, right? She's not going to be used as a common trope without any real character reveals, right? I mean, reveals that aren't just get more fucking tropes. Now, take all of this, wrap it all up in a grindhouse torture porn style that isn't even sure if it wants to disgust or titillate you, but rather decides it'll just try to do both at the same time for shits and giggles, and you've got our topic for tonight. Based on the graphic novel Polar, came from the coal, Polar wears its influences on its sleeve, but never amounts to anything itself other than a pitiful, lifeless film that, but for a single laugh, is not even worth watching. So good night, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. That was the easiest one yet. I even nailed the intro. Well, we're, not nailed, but it was good enough for this fucking film. <laughs> we're getting better at this. Yeah, just got to pick bad movies, essentially, is what it boils <laughs> down to. In my defense, I did not pick this movie. So In I don't my feel offended. <laughs> I hadn't seen it yet. And the core premise of Mads Mikkelsen as a former hitman, I would be interested in watching that movie sight unseen. I fucked up. <laughs> oh, that you did. This is this is going to be an interesting episode, folks, because I honestly don't know how long it's going to last. It might be a 15-minute episode, nice and fast to edit. You guys, you know, maybe it won't be the entire drive to work. You'll be able to listen to, to this, but you trust me, you'll thank us because we're saving you at least an hour and a half if you were to watch this film. Was, this movie was two hours long. Was it that long? I couldn't remember. Exactly there was a point where I was watching it and I was like, all right, at least it's got to be almost over. And I still had an hour to go. To say that this is a tropey film is, is such an understatement. The... We, we say time and time again, it's not 
the trope. It's what you do with it. And and again, this this is true. This I mean, John Wick is a trope, but it's so bloody well done that it is it can maintain three films and do nothing but grow its audience base. This, however, is not that. There, there's a, a wink and a nod to John Wick when old puppy doesn't make it past the first fucking day. And that, to me, was l- quite literally the only laugh. It was just one of those, <laughs> holy fuck, I can't believe they did that. And that was it. There were times throughout the film where I was trying to think, okay, if if we take out the juvenile, and I can't stress this enough, juvenile TNA bullshit that's that's in this show, maybe. Maybe it would just be... It know, would have been 40 minutes long. Yeah, there is that. But it's not. The more, more I thought about it after, because Karen and I watched it, because we tried to watch it with our son, who, while still an adult, we all know that it doesn't matter how old you get. You don't want to watch a show with sex scenes, especially crude and stupid sex scenes, with your parents. <laughs> you just don't. And likewise, you don't want to watch it with your kids either. And it starts off with a fucking blowjob right there. And you're like, oh, this in the ass shots and the tit shots. And it's literally just, again, juvenile. But then the tropes kind of start to, to kick in. And this idea of these teams of assassins, fuck, I'm so tired of that. And, I mean, the show opens with that. You're seeing this team of idiotic assassins. They're not very good. Yeah, they're not. I mean, if you have to get one of your assassins to blow someone so that you can kill them when they would have been open at any point from the sniper's perspective, what was the point of that? Really, what? Well, clearly the sniper wasn't very good because he shot a lot of people and it never did much. Yeah, this reminded me of Wolf Warrior in different ways. And in in, <laughs> in this way, it was also the, the 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 fact that apparently bullets don't kill or or they don't kill as fast as you would like to because he was shooting, what, I, the 50 caliber sniper gun? And, I mean, you saw it penetrate this this guy's chest and he was still getting up and shooting at them. I'm going, what the fuck, kind of. I mean, I, I'm no firearms expert, but I'm fairly certain that even a body shot from that gun would leave a hell of an exit wound. Yeah, like, we've all seen Mythbusters, people. <laughs> that should be the, the mantra <laughs> of any special effects crew on a movie is, does this pass the Mythbusters test? And if not... Don't put that shit in there. We've all seen it, and we now fucking know. We've seen 50 caliber sniper rounds going through shit. No way this guy's getting up. But that is hardly the worst offense in this. <laughs> and again, I'm using massive fucking air quotes when I say film here. Well, but I, I feel it also kind of sets a tone where five minutes into the movie, our our team of bad guys is proven to be completely just bad at their jobs. And... This is something I was reading a few other reviews about this, and, and there were some interesting things that people had to say. Hold on, hold on. So the reason I recommended this is somehow I think I stumbled across the one good review. I was just, it was, I have not found Twitter. any. 
it came across Twitter and they were comparing it to movies like uh, Shoot 'em Up and Smoke and Aces, which, yes, they can be crude and, at points, but they're still enjoyable, funny action movies. Clearly, the person who made that comparison has never seen those other movies because I enjoyed those. Yeah, this was trying to take itself seriously. And and you can't do that. And I get it. It's Mads Mikkelsen. So, yeah, he should be able to be in a role where he takes it seriously. Although it, it was not serious. It was moody and stupid. But that's besides the fucking point. But then when you throw in, especially those fucking kids that are chasing after him to try to kill him. It was, it was so idiotic. And what's funny now is, um, have you ever watched Barry, the TV show? No. It's actually brilliant. It's, it's so, so good. And that's something that they talked about. Um, what's his name? Um, Bill Hader has talked about when he was coming up with the idea and they were pitching around ideas back and forth, him and, and the co-creator of the show. And he mentioned he wanted to do, you thought about something where it was uh, uh, an assassin. And this other person was saying like, you know, assassins are just, you, you see more of them in movies than in reality. It's, it's such a, it's a trope that they're tired, that he was tired of. And, and Hater said, well, no, no. Yeah. But it would be me. I'd be, and that's when he went, oh, okay, that could be funny. That can, that can be really good kind of thing. <laughs> but I keep going back on that idea of these, you know, the, this idea of this shadow conspiracy place that has these assassins for hire. It gets annoying. And again, it can be done well, as we saw with John Wick. But more unbelievable to me is when they have a team of assassins working together especially when it's a ragtag team of fuck-ups like we see in this show. And it's just, it's one of those, like, everything about it pisses me off. <laughs> like, it's not just that I'm watching going, oh, this is bad and rolling my eyes. It's like, you're insulting my fucking intelligence here, and I, I'm, I'm taking offense to it. A, a small bit of credit, and I have a feeling this goes to the original graphic novel as opposed to the filmmaker's. We've seen enough of these movies where, oh, yeah, the, the organization turns against, you know, their star hitman for one reason or another. I've never seen one that did it just to get out of paying a pension. <laughs> I thought that was a fun little twist that in a better movie could have been a positive. In a movie that was a satirical movie, yes. Yes. If it was a satirical, hey, let's just have fun with this. I agree. That would be actually kind of funny. But in this, it's like, no, no, not at all. It's just stupid. It's it's point blank lame as fuck. And it just, I, I yeah, had no use for it. So, yeah, so the, the film is uh, Mads Mikkelsen plays Duncan Vizsla. And he's, uh, he's forced to retire. The Black they, Kaiser. The Black Kaiser, yes. The, um, I, <laughs> I watched this. I watched this with my wife a few nights ago. And was fairly unhappy with you about that. How how much does your wife hate me at this point? She was not too thrilled. But but we watched the new uh, Seth Meyers stand up after that, and she was in tears laughing. So <laughs> she forgave you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't pick that movie, but the the stand up. But that's all right. It was out of her mind by that point. But um, but anyways, we we watched it, and then I thought, I am not reading that fucking graphic novel. I am not reading that. And then yesterday, I was like. I should check. I should check just to see <laughs> if it's as bad as this or if this is yet another version of Hollywood fucking up, a, uh, a, be it a graphic novel or, or novel or whatever. I couldn't find this one, the 
um, came from the cold. But I found the, the I'm, I'm assuming it was a follow-up. It might have come up before. I'm not sure. The one that was literally called Polar Black Kaiser, the Black Kaiser. So it gives you a little bit more on that character kind of thing. I will say, not knowing again whether or not the same kind of stupidity that we saw in the film was in that other graphic novel, but at least the one that I read wasn't this bad. It, it was not. I would not say that it was great. I would not even recommend it necessarily to people to to uh, to read. Sorry, Victor Santos, but it was not. It was not well enough written that I'd say, yeah, this is really a good spy kind of story. No, it wasn't. And it fell on some of the same tropes that we did see in this film that were just, again, lame and stupid. Like, I mean, so yeah. So, but it was nowhere near this bad. Nowhere, not even remotely this bad. So maybe there's You have so- to try to be this bad. <laughs> this took effort for them. This yeah. it it really did. I yeah. I mean, when you can put Richard Dreyfus in a in a role, and <laughs> singing karaoke, no less. Yeah, and the reaction from the audience is a groan and eye roll, and it's like, oh fuck, what is gonna happen here? And it's just as bad as you thought, and just as tropey. Everything that you thought was gonna happen happens. I mean, what's the fucking point? And the quote unquote reveal for the female character, Camille, where you find out... I'm, I'm fucking spoiling shit because I don't care. If you're watching yeah, this just... after we watch this, <laughs> screw you. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve a surprise. But it, it it turns out that he killed the majority of her family but left her alive. And that's the vision he keeps having. Again, it's it's... You see this coming in the first few minutes of the show. It's just fucking stupid as hell. But what makes it worse is that this character, like, she's trying to act as if, you know, she's a scarred character and she's going there to be away from something horrific that happened in her life, which clearly something horrific did. But then there's a moment where she's telling him this story mm-hmm. way too early in their quote-unquote relationship. Now, she knows who he is. He hasn't yet figured out who she is. Which... I- Again, that would not have happened. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've been ranting enough. Go ahead. The the entire point of this reveal implies that a this you know great historic assassin who's the the best of the best of the best and has been financially supporting this young woman for her entire life didn't keep tabs on her and by sheer coincidence there were next door neighbors in a town of about fourteen people. Like that's the, the the amount of suspension of disbelief required to make that scene effective is staggering. Well, the funny thing is too, and and not funny. Haha, that was great. No, just funny. Like, oh, for fuck's sakes, is again, yeah, greatest assassin there is. She just happens to, you know, mosey on over and get him to cut her fucking logs. <laughs> that's not a euphemism. He cuts her firewood, and yet. This crew of highly trained professional assassins, more than one, aren't able to fucking take him out or or find him initially either, having to go through all of his properties, killing everybody in the most graphic manner possible just for that, again, grindhouse torture porn bullshit that the director is trying to... to, to pull off here and 
it's just bad. I mean, you're seeing people getting slaughtered at each of these properties until they finally get to Montana where he's quote unquote hiding out kind of thing. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right. I, I do want to say the oh, small, okay. <laughs> the small bits of dark humor in the Montana scenes with Mads. I enjoy Like we talked about the dog thing. That was funny. He's like, you know, like a wink and a nod to John wick, but then following that up with him going out and buying a fish. I found that humorous. The whole scene of him being like a guest speaker at the elementary school was, was what? Okay. Explain that to me. How does that make sense? That it she, doesn't. That she's saying, come and talk to the kids at the school. It'll be good. And when you're watching initially, how long were you thinking, oh, this is a dream sequence or a, a daydream sequence that he's going to snap out of at any point? Like, I thought that for quite a while because it was so fucking bizarre that it couldn't possibly be real. It, it, at that point, I was still thinking that maybe they were going with a parody satire route. And I was like, okay, this is kind of darkly funny. I enjoyed it. But taken in the whole context, yeah, really fucking weird. And <laughs> my favorite character in the movie was the stupid shopkeeper. Solely because oh, right. of the <laughs> the one line, it's British, but that's okay. You can watch it with subtitles. You got to take the positives where you can find them, Roger. Oh, we were trying. We were trying. Because even the, like when you're saying about the the dog, which again, the dog bit was justifiably funny. And it was very much a, if you think you're watching John Wick, you're not. Here's why. And then when you get the goldfish, you're going, okay, I see what you're doing there. It's cute. But then when he's reading books, a book about keeping your goldfish alive and happy or whatever the fuck it was called. That's when it's like, you pushed a joke too far and now it's just stupid. So again, if this was a parody film, this would work great. If this was a satirical film, this would be funny. It'd be great, but you can't have him behaving the way that he has have the wanton violence that's throughout every aspect of this film. And the, the, it's just, stupid sex scenes and then try to do this as well it just does not work yeah i i saw far more of mads mickelson in this film than i oh, ever i did not to. need to see his his asshole i did not need to see that <laughs> there was no point in my life where i was thinking you know what i need a reverse shot of him bent over nailing somebody nope did not need to see that i and, mean at least now we know why he took the role Somehow I think Mads is not having a problem picking up younger women if that's what he wanted. He did not have to do this film. But yeah, it was yeah, they again, and it's it's not to sound prudish in terms of TNA or sex scenes. There are films where it it works. It's just far too often you can see the the editors or, or producers saying make sure that there's some skin show, make sure there's a sex scene or whatever, put them in, force them in however you want, because that's going to sell tickets. I get that. But then there's scenes, there's there's like this, where you're like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Like, it's, it's just between him visiting the whore and then paying them so that he could use her and her son as a diversion, as well as the scene with the, 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 the young assassin girl, you're like, how... 
this doesn't fucking work again at all, other than just for a reason to show him fighting naked because I had nothing to do with her at that point. It was all about, okay, let's show Mads running around in the fucking snow, which let's be honest is not flattering for any fucking man. <laughs> let's show this going on here and see what people think. And it it was, again, I keep going back to lame just because it's the best way to describe it. It's just fucking lame as hell. It's, it's something we've talked about many times on this podcast, but it bears repeating with this movie specifically was the way it treats its female characters was deplorable. Like yep. we, we discussed the, the character of Cindy, her sole purpose in this film is to be the sexual distraction for the assassin team. And it's gross every time, even when it is Mads Mikkelsen, we're supposed to be cheering for him. We're like, Ooh, no, why are you? No. And, uh, you talked about the, the woman in Belarus, who, again, she was purely a plot device. We're meant to to believe that, you know, he cares, but essentially she's... She she means as little to him as she does to us as viewers. And the one that really got me, because there, there are female characters in this movie that I didn't know their names until I had to look it up online. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. The, the main female character, uh, Vanessa Hudgens' role, her name isn't even mentioned until about an hour 45 into the film. Like she, she never, we never know her name until it comes up near the end. And the, the, the character who rescues him, uh, oh God, what was her name? Uh, Jasmine, again, had to Google it to find out what her name is. They imply that there's this great backstory to, between their relationship. They used to work together in the past. She supplied him with weapons, something, anything, but she's a, a plot point for, an action sequence that lasts 10 seconds and then we completely forget about and B has to remind us how madly in love with Duncan she has been this whole time. It's, it's at every possible opportunity. It was just shaking my head at every, the portrayal of every female character in this movie, like even Vivian, like the, the fixer character who was a screen presence was also completely one dimensional. That's the the boss's girlfriend as well, isn't she? The Asian girl. Uh, that was a different character. I, Hildy. Yeah, because there's another one where it's like, could have been, one of the again a leader of that group. Which, think what you will about the stupidity of that. At least it would have been something. But no, she's also <laughs> madly deeply in love with this sloth of a corrupt evil man that she is completely enamored with and would do anything for and talks to him on the phone as if she was some 16-year-old love-struck girl. And, and then you have an opportunity to at least make her interesting in like the, the climactic scene between Duncan and the, the team where at first like she shows a little bit of smarts by like throwing the flares to throw off the night vision and all that. But then she spends the entire scene just terrified hiding behind a refrigerator. She had no agency whatsoever even in an assassination operation she was supposed to have been leading. Yeah. And then there's not much else to talk about, but do have to mention the torture, four days of torture. Oh, God. It felt like four days watching it. Yeah. That was so over the top that there is, there's quite literally no justification whatsoever for the gleeful abandon of any kind of 
I don't want to say decorum because it sounds makes it sound kind of prudish, but my fucking lord, it was so over the top that like it did. We did not need to see that. It, it, yeah, you could have I, had the same effect by closing a door and jump cutting to four days later and showing him all fucked up, missing an eye. Yeah, yeah there were, and a lot it of would have been better. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. I, I have a pretty good stomach for this stuff because, be, largely because of Face Off. <laughs> Mythbusters <laughs> prepped me for what's real, but Face Off also taught me what's not real kind of thing. And and we watched all the seasons of Face Off. So whenever I'm seeing this, I will often look at my wife if she's covering her eyes, which she did not look the entire torture scene and say, remember Face Off, it's all fake, whatever. And it's not that this you know, disgusted me or, or, or anything like that, but it, it was just one of the terribly graphic. It was just like, for fuck's sakes, yeah. like consider what you are doing here. Use your intellect. It, this did not have to be in there. And, and yeah, it's, and it, and it's not just about the, the, the torture and the, again, whether or not it should be in there, but let's bring it right back again to story wise. You fucking know what's going to happen. You know he's going to break out. You know he's going to go on a killing spree. You know it's going to be just as bad as what happened to him. And that's what happens. Like, it serves no purpose in this story at all, at all. That's it. I'm done. I I got fuck all (laughs) those. Like, again, it's just... My notes are all... With the exception of the John Wick dog joke, my notes are all negative about this film. It's, I, I wanted to try, like, I mean, this film is trying so hard to be Sin City. It's unbelievable. And that, that film was, oh God, it, yeah, had its issues as well, but it also had a lot of things that it did well still. And this is trying to be that. It's amazing what a talented filmmaker can do. Yeah. So, so hard, like so fucking hard. And it is not even coming remotely close. And, and so, yeah, it's, I, I would not want to rate this film because honestly, there's no fucking stars. There's no, there's nothing that I can point to, to say, you got to watch this. No points. Yeah. And again, it's, it's not just about the, 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 the violence and, and things like that, because I would tell people that not only that, Hey, you should, but man, you really should watch the first two seasons of Hannibal and the third one wasn't nearly as good, but man, those first two seasons, even if you had issues with the movies, holy fucking hell, were they ever amazing to the point where in our minds, having watched them, Hannibal is no longer, um, Anthony Hopkins. No, it's fucking Mads Mikkelsen. That's how good he was in that role. So, and, and you want to talk about graphic violence, but it fit with the story every single time. So, like, it's not that there there isn't a place for that kind of, of violence. Not that kind, but a well-done violence or whatever. And and Mads can pull off damn near anything. But this was not it. This this was just oh, yeah. horrific. I've seen countless action and horror movies that are more graphic than anything this film could even hope to be. And I would watch them again before, like a thousand times before I would watch this a second time. Yeah. So, parting thoughts? 
I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed was, in you for suggesting I, this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When I suggested this, your response was, oh, yeah, I wanted to check that out, too. So don't even. Hey, I wanted to, but I didn't. I stopped watching it, motherfucker. <laughs> All right, we're done. You're not recommending any movies for a while. So that is going to wrap it up, folks. Don't watch this film. It's, uh, we saved you some money and time. Well, not money. Well, yes. I mean, it's a Netflix show. But, uh, yeah, it, it is not worth it. There are many other films that you can watch. That said, if you disagree with us, popcornronin.com. Find the show notes there. Let us know. And with that, we're done. We'll talk to you guys next week.